fitness is one of the most sneaky, and I don't mean this in a bad way, unassuming vehicles for personal growth. You don't realize when you embark on a fitness journey, I'm gonna stick to this, I'm gonna figure this out, it's gonna be hard, whatever, but so you get on the journey and then you create a lifelong journey with fitness. You don't enter into it thinking, you know, I'm gonna become a much more self-aware, better human. You know, I'm gonna start asking questions about God, or I'm gonna, you don't think that. You think I'm gonna get lean, I'm gonna look better, I'm gonna move better, but that's where it drives you. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So, long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us today. You picked a good one. We have a bucket list guest on today, my loves. And please listen to the entire intro because we have a fun giveaway with this episode. Sal Stefano is a personal trainer and co-founder of Mind Pump Media and co-host of one of the most popular fitness podcasts in the world, Mind Pump. You've probably heard of it. It's so popular because it's dedicated to cutting through the BS of mainstream fitness to provide truthful fitness and health information. Sal is also the designer of the Muscular Adaptation Programming System, or MAPS for short. And these are programs that both Chase and I have used in the past. He is dedicated to prioritizing health over appearance, and he aims to shift the direction of the fitness industry from aesthetic and insecurity-based to one based in self-love and self-care. His latest gift to the world was his new book, The Resistance Training Revolution. This book reveals how resistance training is the best form of exercise to burn fat, boost metabolism, and achieve health benefits you cannot obtain from other forms of exercise. Chase and I both listened to the audiobook version, and it's basically an encyclopedia of no BS, no gimmicks, fitness information. Obviously, Sal is considered to be a king in the fitness space, and we do discuss fitness topics towards the end of the episode. But you guys know us. We also wanted to peel back the layers on Sal as a human and hear some of his thoughts on big concepts like spirituality, where humanity is headed, tech censorship, toxic masculinity, his relationship, and even some of his unpopular opinions. It was a really diverse conversation, and I know you're going to vibe with it. Okay, I mentioned a giveaway. Here are the details. As you are listening today, just take a screenshot and share to your Instagram story, and make sure to tag me at Mimi underscore the medicine so I see it, and you'll be entered to win your own copy of Sal's book. So screenshot, tag me, share to your story. That's it. Then the winner will be chosen Sunday, May 1st. If you don't want to wait, you can check the show notes for a direct link to grab his book today. We highly recommend it for anyone who wants to stay fit and healthy for life. 
All right, enjoy this stimulating conversation with our good friend, Sal Stefano. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I have my love, my king here with me. What is going on, everybody? So crazy, fired up today. We have someone who is actually a part of, I think, the first date that Megan and I went on after we got divorced and reconnected. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to a Mind Pump live event. Yeah where Sal was dropping massive knowledge bombs, but it was like literally our first date back together after having been divorced. So a uh, very special uh, moment now to, to bring us all back together uh, to shoot this podcast. So super fired up you're here, man. And that's super humbling. I remember you guys telling me about that when I met you guys down in San Diego. I thought that was so cool. So I'm glad we could have been a part of that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was super fun. And and uh, it was like our first like outing together as this like ex-husband and wife type group where we're like, we're dating, but we're also soulmates. And he's my boyfriend, question mark. Like, I don't know what he is. Um, but it was like our first outing into the world, like together, you know, again, in part two. And so it was, it was a big moment. So thank you for being uh, a critical p- piece of it. <laughs> yeah, no, And I appreciate you sharing that. That really makes me feel good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, we are so excited to have you on. Um, honestly, truly, you guys, this has been a bucket list guest for us. We've, we've had you on our list of people that we want to talk to um, for so long. And, and we know so many of the same people. We have many mutual friends in this health and fitness wellness podcasting space. So we knew it was only a matter of time. And so we're super fired up to talk about fitness and hopefully bust some myths, but also get into deeper topics with you. Um, you are such a dynamic human and person, and you have so much to offer the world other than just fitness advice, as important as it is for all of us. Um, so we're really excited to jump into all different types types of topics today. Uh, our first question that we ask every guest on the Medicine Podcast is, what do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? Oh gosh, that's easy. It's, uh, it's being a father, uh, mm-hmm. having a family. There's, there's really nothing that I can't, You know, it's funny. I have, um, I grew up with a lot of uh, cousins and um, there's, you know, it's like me, there was me and I have a few cousins. We're all the same age. And then there's like a younger generation of cousins that are maybe like six or seven years younger. And most of us are guys. And uh, the younger generation now is starting to have kids. And I have, I have three children. So I have two from my first marriage, one with uh, my wife that I'm with now, Jessica. And the oldest, my oldest is 16 years old. So I've, I've done this for a little bit, for a little while. I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert. I don't think you ever are <laughs> uh, as a parent. But I, you know, my cousins came and asked me, like, hey, what's it like or whatever? You know, I, I, you know, we're thinking about having a baby. And I said, I tell you what, dude, the most insane, there's two things that really blew me away about being a father. One was the, I, I'd never experienced love like that before. Now I, I come from a very close family. I love my parents. I love my siblings. Um, you know, I, I, I love my aunts and my uncles. And so I understood love from that aspect. Okay. So I, I came from a very loving background, but man, the love that I felt when my son was born and then as it continued to grow, which I thought to myself, there were several times I remember thinking, this is not, there's no way I could love this kid anymore. And then you do, mm. and it just keeps happening. Like that was really crazy. Um, and so I told him that and I said, you know, there's really nothing I can tell you, 
that will explain what that's like, you'll have to experience it. It's just, it's just impossible to, there's no words to explain that. So there's that. And then the second part, this one right here took me by um, surprise. Uh, I didn't realize just how um, invulnerable I was before I had kids. So what I mean by that is when you have a child now, and I just told you how much I love my kids, all of a sudden you love something that much. It's outside of you. You can't control them all the time. You can't be around them all the time. Really freaking scary because now you're vulnerable more than anything else. Like if you, you know, you, you cut my arm off, it'll, I'll, it'll suck. I'll, I'll, it'll hurt. I'll be very sad, but not like hurting my kid. Right. So all of a sudden I became extremely vulnerable mm. um, and it was scary and it was emotional. I remember um, my son when he was like maybe a year and a half or two and he just, you know, they get to the age where they just start to like watch TV a little bit with you. They could sit for longer than five seconds. And we were watching Finding Nemo. That was a, the cartoon that was out or whatever, the animation that was out at the time. And there was the scene. I remember I'm sitting on the couch. He's like two. He's sitting on the couch with me. And I'm excited because we get to watch this animated film together. And it was a scene where <clears throat> the dad loses Nemo. Nemo gets picked up by, the, by the, the, the kid on the boat or whatever. And it like takes off. And he's like swimming after the boat trying to get his son. And I'm like crying, right? And I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I, I guess you could say I'm an emotional person, but I'm, I don't, I don't tear up very easily. Or at least I didn't. And I remember being like, what the hell is going on What's wrong with me right now? It was so crazy, but it was like the vulnerability. And then on top of that is you have to choose to be brave. Like, mm. um, you know, again, another conversation I had with, with my kid as he was a little older, we were watching uh, another cartoon. We were watching Superman. And Superman in this cartoon, he's there's a burning building and he flies in there and saves the people. And my son, I don't remember how old he was. And he goes, oh, he goes, Papa, he's he's so brave. And I and I, I'm like, no, he's not. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, because Superman, I said, if the if the fire touches him or the building lands on him, he's not going to die. I said, he's not brave. And I said, the fire people that go in there mm -hmm. to save people, they're brave because they could get hurt. And then I realized, man, you got to be really brave to be a parent because uh, you have to face these crazy fears that, and the reason why I said, I, I realized how invulnerable I was before I thought I had fears before. No, nothing comes close mm -hmm. to when you have a kid. And so it forces you either. And this is, I look, this is why some people probably run away from that responsibility. It's a big one. It's super mm -hmm. scary, but um, and I, but I love it. I love it more than anything because it makes me, I have to reach down and be the best version of myself constantly. I have to constantly be better, constantly grow. And then the relationship you have with your kid raising this child, there's no relationship. I think that you could ever compare to that. I don't know how else you, you, you would find that, that level of meaning in anything else. Mm. So that that's easy. When you said like, what do I love? I mean, it's for hundred percent. That right there yeah. is everything. That is incredibly motivating for me and, and us as we've talked and thought about, you know, having a child someday, usually, you know, especially like my brother just had a kid, for instance, every time I see him, he looks like he's like strung out, uh, like, <laughs> like, you know, like on a three day bender. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I got a lot of things going on. Um, I can, yep. I can barely take time to, you know, how to have a meditation practice, <laughs> but then I hear this and, and in the frame of love. And it's this diverse, unique love experience that like literally raises the ceiling on, on the house that is love. 
I've felt some profound things through our relationship, through even just my connection to community and family and some level of, you know, purpose or higher, higher power. But man, it seems like you just have a complete home remodel and the ceiling is lifted when you have a child. And so it's, it's super encouraging to actually hear um, that it is something that impactful and meaningful to you. You know what? You said something really interesting too. When I had my, when I, my second, when I knew that I was having another kid, I had this interesting thought and I've, I've talked to other parents. I guess it's pretty common, but I thought to myself, like, how am I going to love this next kid? Like I love this kid. Like, mm. and I kind of felt bad, like what's this going to be like and whatever. And what you realize, uh, and I get the chills even thinking about it is you don't have this like limited, this, this finite capacity. Yeah. It grows. So it's not like you have to divide it. It just got bigger. My capacity for things got bigger. Um, but look, here's the truth. You guys, you guys are health and fitness um, people. So you know this. Nothing truly meaningful in life is easy. Nothing. Right. The <laughs> hardest things in life are the most meaningful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are you signing up for when you have a child and you take on the responsibility? And I say that, uh, I say that because lots of people don't take on that responsibility. It's usually men. But what are you taking on? The hardest, most meaningful thing ever. So you have to accept that how life was before is not going to be like it is. So your brother being strung out or the time, that you, <laughs> the freedom that you have, and stuff, you, it's gone. It's, it's different. It, but is it worth it? It's definitely worth it. Is it hard? Nothing's harder. So, and now because you don't have your child there in front of you to love, all you're feeling right now is the hard. And I know what sure. that's like, right? So I think to myself, like, you know, do you want to have another kid? All I can think about is like, oh my God. <laughs> so much more work or whatever. But then if I had one, you would, you know, would I give it back? Hell no. Yeah. It's a yeah. really strange, it's the most, it's the weirdest, most incredible experience ever, but it's definitely not easy. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm glad that we've been able to really develop our consciousness. Not that you're ever done. I never want to be done and I never will be, but I'm really happy that we're, you know, 31, 32 years old. And when we choose to have a child, we will be going into the experience, even though I'm not saying that I would be ready or yeah. even be able to anticipate what's going to come our way. But at least we've, we have tackled some things outside of the parent world that kind of provide evidence that like we can get through hardship together. And just having some level of consciousness to how do we want to raise them? What do we want to do? What do we want to instill? What, what character qualities do we want to talk about? What do we want to talk about with God and nutrition and fitness? And I feel like now we're, we're mature enough to where we can have these conversations. Like what, what do we want the experience to be like for this child in the world? And uh, I think, you know, when we got married at 23 years old, if we would have just boom, gotten yeah. right into it, we, it would have been a completely different scenario. So I am really grateful that we've waited and that we're really intentional moving forward about like when and how and what we want to teach. Yeah, that's awesome. It's that's, that's so great. And I, I'd say that the biggest, um, I mean, the, the biggest piece of advice I could give you, because there's really no advice I could give you that's going to prepare you for the just just the whole thing. But the, the one thing I could give you as advice as a couple is to always give yourselves in each other Lots of grace, mm -hmm. lots of grace, because yeah. um, look, uh, sleep deprivation is used in torture. Uh, that's how they get people to, to give away the, you know, the, the coordinates of the enemy. It's yeah. actually <laughs> an illegal, according to the Geneva Convention, illegal form of torture. That's how messed up it is, right? 
So now you're sleep deprived as shit. You've got this, <laughs> this, this human that you're responsible for. And you're, you're going to, you're and especially if you're a self-conscious person that cares, which it sounds like you are, you're going to criticize yourself like crazy. I suck. I'm not doing this right. What am I doing? Oh my God. And that just puts you in, you're just not going to be your best self in that particular case. Um, and the reason why it's wonderful that there's two of you is hopefully what happens is one of you is conscious enough to give the other the grace when they need it. And then that flips when the other person is in that position. And if you constantly do that, what happens is you just get really freaking strong. Everybody gets really yeah. strong together, but I, I tell you, it's not, nothing's perfect. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm excited that you guys are, that you guys are talking about having kids. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're thinking about it. We're, we're warming to the idea. Yeah. But, yeah very cool. Um, awesome, man. We're, we're definitely going to get into some, some fitness and wellness uh, goodies later on, uh, but we'd love to just get to know you even more. Okay. Um, as far as you, Sal, what would you define or what would you say as your core values as a human being? What are some core values that you maintain? Gosh, that's good. Um, you know, I'm, I, I like to consider myself growth minded. I, I really try to grow and be better and learn and challenge um, my beliefs and understandings. Um, I've, I've always done that. I am extremely flawed. Um, I could definitely be driven by impulse. Um, I could find myself trying to escape um, at times. These are things I've, I've struggled with in the past. I can, I think like many people, I can turn good things into um, bad relationships. I've had bad relationships, exercise and nutrition, but I, I, I'm always trying to grow. I'm always trying to get better. Um, and I would say that's, that's probably, that's, that seems to be at my core. Um, and so I'm constantly evolving. So if you, if you talk to me five years from now, I'm going to be very different than I was, uh, than I am now, I'd say, um, and hopefully for the better. Um, so, and, and that's just something that I, I try to value. I've always enjoyed, and I, I, I'll credit my mom for this. My, my parents, my parents are Sicilian immigrants, very old school, uh, kind of upbringing, but my mom was a little different in the sense that she allowed me to argue. Okay. So it didn't mean that she allowed me to disrespect her, but she did allow me to have a voice and to argue. And she allowed me to make my points. And if I made a good point, she would let me know. If I didn't, she would also let me know, but she allowed me to express myself. And so I developed this, um, I guess this love, or I started to, I valued debate and discussion. And I learned a lot that way. Like I learned it. This is how I learned. And I can be annoying to some people because I'll, if somebody has said something that I want to know more about, I can be a little confrontational and question and debate. And some people don't like that. But what I'm really doing is that, first of all, I appreciate other perspectives and views. And I appreciate the discussion. And then that's how I end up learning and growing. It was one of my favorite things about being a personal trainer. Uh, you know, as a coach and as a trainer, you get to develop these incredible relationships with so many different people that you, that you wouldn't normally run into in everyday life. Like I wouldn't hang out with a, you know, a 58 year old, uh, you know, female surgeon, for example, you know, for three hours a week yeah. on one, right. That never would happen in, in normal life, but, but that happened as a trainer. She hired me. And she was my client for a long time. And we, you know, we'd have three dedicated hours a week for years where I'm training them, but they're also, we develop this relationship and, and we get to talk. And so I got to train all these different people over the decades. And I loved to discuss and debate things with them. And I mean, there was nothing, there's never anything off limits for me. Um, now, some people are uncomfortable with certain things. 
But once I developed a good relationship, I think people knew where I was coming from. So I used to ask questions about religion, raising kids, relationships, politics, like all the all the taboo subjects. And it really there was one woman in particular I, I loved because she was so good at doing one thing. She would see uh, every debate or discussion. She was able to argue both sides very well. Mm. And she told me, if you feel really strongly about something and you want to know more about it, see if you could argue the opposite side better, learn about the opposite side. Mm. Uh, and I started doing that. And it was like, I changed my mind on a few things, which was really cool because I was like, oh, cool. I, I, I'm not wrong anymore. Or at least I don't feel like I'm wrong anymore. So that helped quite a bit. So, I, so growth is very important to me. It's the most stimulating thing to me. Debate and discussion is one of my favorite ways of, of growing. Um, I do it on social media. I do it uh, in everyday life. The second thing I would say um, that's very important part of my core is to, I don't know, this might sound a little vague, but to be a good person. What I mean by that is to, um, to love to love people. I don't mean the feeling because I think that's impossible. You're not going to feel the feeling of love, uh, but to try to act, act it out, to try to be caring and to be open uh, to other people, be very open and give them the opportunity to, to, to prove to you uh, otherwise. So to kind of open that way. And, and that's really led me in good directions. I've worked with a lot of wide variety of people. I've had people work for me that come from all walks of life. Um, and I've been able to develop really good relationships with people because uh, I've led with that. Again, that, came, that comes from my family. Um, one example in particular, my grandfather. So my grandfather's 90. Okay. He, he and he's obviously, he grew up in Sicily, you know, uh, you know, in the 19, you know, thirties and forties and whatever. And so you think back to someone who's 90, what that generation is like. Now put them in Sicily. So very traditional, like stereotype Sicilian culture. Okay. He's one of six male siblings. So six boys. Wow. Okay. Wow. His brother. So remember that generation, his brother comes out to the family as being gay, comes out to the family and says, Hey, I, I like. I like men. Now that generation, you couldn't even say that wow. without being right. ostracized. Yeah. You couldn't even say that, right? If you said that you were disowned, you better move out of the country. Like nobody will talk to you, whatever. My family literally said, uh, my grandfather, you know, look, I don't understand it. You're my brother. I love you. So whatever. And it was never an issue. My, my uncle come over, hang out. Eventually he, he's been with the same man now for, I don't know, 30 years. He, everybody, and I, that's how I grew up. I grew up with this this real traditional upbringing, but also we love people. So yeah. we love yeah. people. That's just the way it is. And so I learned that. Um, and so that kind of became a part of, uh, of who I am. And, um, and I, 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 I guess I identify with that. I, I appreciate, and I appreciate that in other people. So those two things I would say probably describe me the most. Yeah. I, yeah. So good. Definitely. What, what, you know, I pulled out of that was an early allow allowance to be free. Uh, from your parents, which is so critical in just the human experience, especially for masculinity, is to just have freedom of choice and freedom of opinion. Um, and then a couple of things that are absolutely in a shortage right now in our world, and that is the ability to have healthy debate, the ability to change your mind, and the 
missed learning of just going through experiences. I think you talked about it as you train people and, and there's diversity in conversation and being able to empathize with other perspectives. We are staring at textbooks. We're getting our, our news and updates off Twitter and we're not living. Like there is a, we're so limited by the human language to be able to articulate. We have to experience before we can even pretend to speak what we know, our own knowledge. And so by just like literally just interacting with other human beings, cross-pollinating and seeing perspectives and having empathy is this superpower that so many of us are skipping out on because it's easier to just think you know something through books, podcasts, social yeah. media, um, education, these documents that Dogma. say that you've you've been through whatever protocol so that you're you know XYZ qualified. And there's something so missed in experiencing life and then trying to rationalize it and figure it out later. Yeah, yeah I was I agree with that. I was going to ask you kind of in the same vein, uh, when you, when you're talking about one of your core values is healthy debate, not because you just want to argue, but literally for the purposes of your first value growth. Mm. And, uh, I was wondering, I wonder how he's doing <laughs> the last, you know, two going on three years now where you start debating the wrong person and, and you, you're gone. You don't exist anymore on social media or whatever. How have you navigated That's this tough. new trend that is so <laughs> toxic and just seems like the antithesis of our growth as humans? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, it's hard not to take it personal because I have good intentions. So I, I can be kind of sensitive. So I think the, the, the bane of trying to be a loving person is then also to be quick to uh, being offended because you have good intentions. So then boom, you know, oh, now I'm offended. Then you go right on attack and defense mode. And that's something that I've been working a lot on. So it's very challenging. You know, really what this is, this is a result of um, the, and they've done an effective job doing this. They've politicized everything to the point where, so this is, this is how I try to view things, okay? I assume, and I think I'm right with this. I really do. I assume that most people have, good intentions. I don't think most people are walking around, uh, you know, like the Joker from Batman. <laughs> I think that's rare. I really do. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, here's my evidence. Okay. Walk around millions and millions of people not killing each other. Now. Yeah. I know we go to war right. and we do crazy shit, but for the most part, we're pretty damn good. We're pretty yeah. social. Like we're pretty, we're not bad. Um, and we, we tend to continue to improve. So I think most people have good intentions. Now, the difference is your idea of how to make things better is different than mine. Let's discuss that. Let's debate yeah. that. Let's see who can, can you convince me? Can I convince you? Um, maybe we can't convince each other, but I know your intentions are good. Okay. What's happened, and it's an effective, it's a very effective strategy. What they've done is they've taken that out and they've said, the person who believes this idea is evil. Mm hmm. Okay? You don't debate evil people. Like I'm not, if somebody's truly evil, you know, if Satan walks in here right now, I'm not going to debate him. He's Satan. He's, oh, no matter what you idea you have, you have bad intentions. Yeah. You're evil, right? So this is what they've done effectively. And this is why people stop communicating with each other. So yeah. I vote for this guy. You vote for that guy. I believe this. You believe that. Oh, that means you're evil. So no debate, no discussion. And we're not going to talk to each other. I think that's insane. The truth is most people want what's best for their kids. Most people want to live in a safe world. Most people like love. Most people hate hate. Right. Uh, you know, 
we have different experiences. Yes, some people are more like assholes than other. I get that. Um, but ultimately, I think people have generally good intentions. So if we start there, then we can debate the mm-hmm. ideas and then see what happens. But if we start from a place of the other person's like, I don't even have to hear what you're saying. You're just an evil person. Well, it doesn't matter what you say, because why would I listen to Hitler? You know, this is yeah. so that and it's been very hard. It's been very challenging. Now, I have a podcast where I don't I can say what I want and then someone can't, you know, piss me off like that very quickly. Maybe later in the, in the comments of a YouTube video. But so I get to express myself. But I always try to I try and I'm not always good at this. Like I said, I can sometimes get a little sensitive, but I try to, to, to remember that I'm communicating to people that also have good intentions. So what's my goal? Is my goal to to make them feel stupid? Ha, I got you. Or is my goal to try to convince you of, of my idea? Well, if yeah. I'm trying to convince you, then I have to approach it a certain way or maybe i'm not trying to convince you because you're it's impossible maybe i'm trying to convince other people who are listening so how i come across how i communicate is going to be really important but it's it's been very hard everything's been so politicized it's so insane and it's just the result of the i mean it's very effective it's effective at getting manipulating people and getting them to you know if you scare someone uh or you make them feel envious um or hateful they're very easily you can manipulate someone very yeah. easily you know what mm-hmm. I mean? If someone's scared, you can get them to do things they wouldn't normally do yeah. or make decisions very quickly. And so that's just what they've done very effectively. And I, I hope that the average person um, who has some ability to remain objective, I hope that the last few years has proven that because it's, it's been really crazy the last few years. I hope the last few years has opened people's eyes a little bit and said, okay, uh, a lot of this is just trying to manipulate me in a particular way to vote or to buy something. Um, and it's just making me upset, angry, irritable, and, and shut off other relationships. So I need to take yeah. a step back and not, I'm going to get these, these, they're, they're going to get you to feel things. That's what they're good at. So don't try to not feel that's impossible. Try to not react. Right. So you're going to feel, uh, let me take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, let me check and, and see what's going on. And, um, that'll make, that'll make a big difference, but yeah, it's, it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's yeah. Great. Hey homies, whether you are wanting to improve your overall health, build healthy muscle or boost your immune function, what is not talked about enough is our sleep. We need regular, deep, restorative sleep in order for all of our body's different systems to operate at top notch, no matter what our goals are. This is where our good friends at Ned come through big time for me. The most effective combination I have found for quality sleep is the Sleep Blend Hemp Oil and the Mellow Magnesium Powder from Ned. I use both individually and in combination about an hour before bed and I sleep like a baby. If you want to dive even deeper into all of Ned's incredible products and backstory, you can listen to episode number 49 of The Medicine where Chase and I interview Adrian Zimmerman, co-founder of Ned. And to give your body the blessing of great sleep ASAP, try these organic and wildcrafted products at helloned.com and you can use the code medicine, that's M-E-D-I-C-I-N for a nice discount. Then enjoy sleeping like a sweet, sweet baby. Cheers.
I think, you know, something I've learned <clears throat> coming out of the whole world crisis is now when I see a headline or a news clip or a story or something that I know is meant to charge the viewer up, me being the viewer, my next question is not in a hateful way or a, oh, I hate them way or anything like that, but it's, hmm, I wonder why they want me to believe this right now. Yeah. Yep. And just kind of checking in with yourself, like even if you don't ever come to the correct answer, you're never going to know this news station's intentions or whatever. But even just slowing down enough to kind of like, huh, I wonder what could be at the core of this. I wonder why they want me to hate this group of people or I wonder why they want me to think this certain thing about this political person. I wonder why just that one pause for just three seconds is helps me do exactly what you're talking about. Just kind of that, like kind of turning inward towards yourself rather than just like shooting out feelings and chargedness totally. and more just adding to this collective, like unease and hate that we feel so much in our world right yeah. now. No, hundred percent. And there's two things you could want you. That's a hundred percent. That's a great technique or skill that just try to be aware That'll slow, that'll slow down a lot of these reactions and, and get you to make less mistakes. So what I mean by mistakes is reacting to people in ways that maybe weren't so accurate. But here's, here's two things that can help with that. One, this is hard for people to do. Go to somebody who can, in, can, can articulate well the opposite side and just listen. Yeah. yeah. Just listen. Don't get pissed off. Don't get riled up. Just listen to what they have to say. Now, what will probably happen is you'll probably be strengthened in your position, or sometimes you may change your mind. Okay, but that, but don't even go in with that intent. Just, just listen. And then here's a second thing: whenever you see a headline or a clip about this person said that, that politician did this, this law says that, it's ten minutes. It takes ten minutes. Watch the whole video of the speech, yeah. <laughs> or read yeah. read the some the, the the important parts of whatever bill is being passed. I swear to God, nine out of ten times. The quotes are taken out of context and spun in a particular way. And uh, bills are completely mischaracterized. Nine out of 10, 90% of the time that happens, I'll, I'll read a headline and be like, oh my God, I can't believe she said that. <laughs> so like, let me watch the speech. And I'll watch the speech and be like, uh, well, no, that's not really what, what happened. There's context makes a big difference here. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so, it takes 10 minutes to do that. And it's, it'll open your eyes. I promise. Yeah. That's been a, I think a healthy byproduct for, for some. And I think it's, it's turning into many about this whole, two and a half years. I don't even know what to call it anymore I know. at this point, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's the muscle building of why do I believe this or yeah. why am I feeling a particular way about this and encouraging people to get, just get deeper and develop their own opinions, which is I think going to, going to solve a lot of problems. Um, transitioning a little bit. We love to ask this question. We love to get people's perspective on this, but do you subscribe to any religion or set of beliefs as it pertains to greater meaning, the metaphysical, yeah. call it God, if you will. What are your views on God? Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, I, and I, you know, it's funny. Here's what's here's one of the things I love about fitness. I promise they're connected. Fitness is one of the most sneaky, and I don't mean this in a bad way, unassuming vehicles for personal growth. You don't realize when you embark on a fitness journey, if you're, if you're, if you're really like, what I mean by serious is like, you're really like, this is, I really want to do this. I'm going to stick to this. 
I'm going to figure this out. It's going to be hard, whatever. But so you get on the journey and then you create a lifelong journey with fitness. You don't enter into it thinking, you know, I'm going to become a much more self-aware, better human. Or I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to start asking questions about God or I'm going to, you don't think that you think I'm going to get lean. I want to look better. I want to move better, but that's where it drives you. Why? Yeah. Because fitness is about health. And here's what you figure out. And it takes a while to figure this out. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. But after years of working out, you start to realize health is more. First, you think health is, I'll give you my journey. First, it was build muscle. Okay. Then it was, oh, be strong and build muscle. Then it was, you know, look shredded. And then it was, I, I need to have uh, better health. I need to feel more healthy. And then it was, oh, okay. Uh, there's more to food than macros, calories, and even organic, non-GMO, whatever. There's also this relationship that I have with food. And then it was, oh, sleep is a part of health. I guess that's important. And then it was, oh, my relationships with people is a part of health. You eventually start to realize that the sphere of health encompasses everything. And there's a big part of that, which is a spiritual part, very big part. Uh, it is, it's proven. You can read the studies. You don't need to read the studies, though, because a spiritual practice has been an imperative part of human growth for and every civilization every record of civilization that we know of for thousands and thousands and thousands of years okay there's brain circuitry that we've identified that is connected to spiritual feelings and belief so it's a very important part of health as important as eating drinking sleeping the sun all that stuff right it's important so if you pursue fitness long enough eventually you'll end up coming to that, to that place. So this, now here's why I said all that. I being the person who's always seeking to grow and likes to debate and discuss, I grew up in a Catholic family. So my family was Catholic, not super Catholic. We were the like Easter Christmas, um, you know, uh, like Lent. culturally Catholic. Yeah. And we would go to, we would go to church for those holidays and we would, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, godparents are very important in, in our, our family and stuff like that. And I, you know, we had, you know, crucifixes and Jesus, you know, in the house and, you know, we, we didn't pray as a family, but if something happened, we would talk about that way, but it wasn't like super religious. So it was just there. Now the natural, I think thing for a kid to have someone like me, especially was the question, everything, everything that, how I grow up, what's going on, whatever. And so I questioned uh, religion in particular, very, very strongly. Um, and I dis I became an atheist. I became an atheist. I said, okay, this is, this is, this is me back then. Right. This is, these are just ways of humans explaining how things work before we had science. Um, this is just to help us deal with the fear of death. So psychologically we trick ourselves. Obviously it's not real, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but I always searched, I constantly discussed spirituality and religion with with religious people because i because i had friends and family and, and, and clients who were very successful good people who were also devout uh you know christians for example and i would it was hard for me to like reconcile that because i was an atheist i'm like but god they're so smart but why are they so <laughs> I know, and so but i so i'd ask them questions right and we debate we discuss and do all this stuff and so I knew more, I probably knew more about uh, Christianity through being an atheist than I ever did as a Catholic uh, growing up as a kid, because I was constantly questioning and asking questions. 
I started buying books at all the, all the religious practices, uh, the major ones of the world. Um, I remember I had a, a, a small epiphany. I was, there was this old, this documentary has been around for a while called um, what the bleep do we know? I don't know. If oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they talk about quantum physics in it and just how weird the quantum physics world is. And I'd learned about the double slit experiment. So without going into too much detail, basically the, the particles that make up all matter behave differently when being observed, when they're not observed, they're what they call a sea of potential. So reality is somehow intricately connected to the observer. Sounds weird, but it's proven. And we create MRI machines and other stuff based off of quantum physics. So it's legit, right? So I remember reading that while we're watching that and going, that's weird. Uh, that, okay. There's a lot of shit. We don't know. That sounds almost mystical. That almost sounds like magic, but you know, okay. But we don't understand it. So I kind of had this moment of like, okay, like I, I got to remember not to be so arrogant was my, basically my, mm. my epiphany there. Um, so, but I was still like that for, in fact, when we started mind pump, I was agnostic. I had moved from atheism to, agno- uh, to being agnostic. So then I said to myself, it's just as arrogant if I, I thought it was arrogant for someone to say, I know for sure there's a God. This is how I felt back then. And then I said, well, what makes me any different saying there isn't? Mm-hmm. If I think they're arrogant, I'm being just as arrogant. So I'm, I'm not an atheist. I should probably be agnostic. So then I was agnostic. And that's actually when I met my, my partners with Mind Pump. And that's how I started. And then continuously going down that journey, I started watching. Uh, so Jordan Peterson on YouTube does lots of talks about the meaning of the stories in the Bible. So he's not preaching the religion. He's preaching the value of some of these stories. At the same time, I'm learning about other religions and I'm finding commonalities. So I'm starting to realize that there's wisdom in spiritual practices because why are, you know, these are things that have existed and lasted for thousands of years. If I believe in evolution, I also believe the evolution of ideas and they've lasted that long. There's got to be, there's, there's wisdom here. There's, and I remember, re, I remember realizing that fasting, this is when fasting became a big thing. And I started realizing the, uh, the psychological benefits of fasting for some people, the detachment aspect, right? And I remember learning it's present in every religion. So I was like, all right, there's some wisdom there. And that was from the fitness side of me, right? Starting to develop <laughs> yeah. a little bit. So I, I just kind of became more open. Then, I, then I'd watch his lectures on maps of meaning, um, and I start saying, wow, there's some interesting stuff here. And then because I was watching some of his videos on this, I f- saw this guy called Bishop Barron, who's this, he's a Catholic Bishop and he uses social media to communicate, um, you know, Catholicism or Christianity, but he's very open to debate discussion. I really loved his, the way he presented things. And I saw, and he was talking about Jordan Peterson in the video, but I liked this guy named Bishop Barron. So I started watching some of his videos and then I thought, what a great podcast. Remember, I'm agnostic at the time. <clears throat> what a great podcast that would be if I had him on and I asked him point blank and challenged him with the questions and stuff that I've always had. Mm. Like, who better to do that? And would he be open? We contacted them and I told him exactly what I wanted to do. So look, I'm going to debate and, and ask you questions and push because I think this is important. And he said, and they said, actually, no, we'd love to come on the show. And by the way, a couple of our employees listen to you guys. Well, what <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. So we go down to Santa Barbara to interview this Catholic bishop who's got this social media following through his evangelization. And I meet his head producer, who's this buffed priest, which was hilarious. <laughs> become, you know, good friends with my uh, father, Steve. He's been good friends with, me, with, with, with him now. 
but he's like this kind of buff dude. So I'm like, you work out? He's like, oh yeah, I listen to your podcast too. I love him. We're talking bodybuilding and stuff. I'm like, this is really cool. Everybody's super nice. We sit down and I ask Bishop Barron all these questions in the interview. If you listen to that first interview, it's very genuine. A lot of the questions that I asked him. And um, I, I mean, I, I, it was profound for me at least. Um, and so I did some more, more diving. I became more open. Um, and then my personal experience is I felt God chasing me. It's mm. really what I felt. And one of the biggest manifestations of that was at this point I had got, I'd been divorced, which was very challenging for me. Um, I'd married, married 15 years and had two kids and, um, you know, just culturally, it was just, nobody gets divorced in my family. And it was, you know, you feel like the whole, all the stuff, right. So it was really hard for me. Met this woman, uh, Jessica, who just totally fell in love. She's a special, incredible woman, but I was like fearful of ever getting married again. And, you know, God forbid having kids, like no way, no way am I ever going to put myself in that position again. Well, I go through this process with, and I'm learning and you know, I interview Bishop Barron and I feel myself getting pulled in that direction. I remember even telling Bishop Barron, like, I feel like I'm getting pulled in this direction. Does that sound, does that make sense? And he goes, yeah, that's kind of what happens to some people. So that's really cool. Okay. And I remember finally being like super open and saying, you know, what? I'm just going to be open and, and see what I receive and how I feel. And I remember my fear of marriage and my fear of having children again was lifted. Mm. Now, now for me, uh, having a family is very, I love it. As I told you guys earlier and, and committing to one woman for me is very much a part of, of who I am to say to this person, I love you. And I'm going to make this commitment and we're going to be life partners. And, and it just was lifted. And, uh, you know, she, very patient woman, thankfully, because she was waiting for me to <laughs> finally do something. We got married and had, now I have my son who's 16 months old. Um, mm. And I would consider myself, I would consider myself Christian, but struggling still. It's still, it's this battle back and forth. So the long, yeah. I guess I gave you the long story, but uh, I would, I, I would, I follow the Christian religion now. Um, and, and God as much is definitely a part of my life now, whereas before it was non-existent, but I'm a struggling like I'm not super, I'm not an, uh, somebody to, you would look to for advice in that area. I would say. No, uh, thank you for the share. I mean, yeah, beautiful seriously. story. There, there's so much <laughs> resonating for me, really for both of us. I mean, we, we grew up hella Christian, like super, Chris. super Chris, we like to call it <laughs> um, full, you know, youth group, church, Christian schools. And we just sort of followed less, less the actual, what you were talking about, like metaphor and meaning and archetype that's in this collected work of just ancient wisdom and more the literal fundamentalist version of it, which, which just created this pool of bitterness that expressed, expressed itself in uh, too many toxic ways to count. And so I similarly went scientific materialist, you know, eventually settled on agnostic and then had enough through um, communities that I was in and, and just really pushing myself into different lanes, enough spiritual experiences where I was like, damn, okay, there's something. Um, there's definitely something here. It's funny. You you kind of navigated your way into this through fitness. And what I often um, tell people about my perspective on God is that if I look at it like health in the sense that there are routes to health that look different for every buddy, keto, carnivore, CrossFit, sure. resistance training, cardio, I don't personally subscribe to any one of them to find health. In fact, I've dipped my toes in a lot of them to find something that seems better than what it was previously, but it's always changing. It's always evolving. 
And I'm definitely not probably ever going to get to the point where it's like, it's keto. (laughs) It's only bodybuilding exercises. It's just really fluid for me. And I can get comfortable in whatever brings somebody closer to health, AKA Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. However you get there and, and the fruits of your work are showing up in your life. Fuck. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's good for me. Yeah. All in the, in the, in the, the major, the main, the spiritual practices that have lasted the, the longest, um, which again, I think that the, the evolution of ideas lasted that long for a reason. You see lots of commonalities. There's a lot of mm-hmm. wisdom. And you know, for somebody who's not into the metaphysical, just, just, um, I guess, recognize that that wisdom lasted a long time for a reason. Human behavior hasn't changed. We're the same as we were 50,000 years ago. The differences were, you know, technology. We've progressed with our ideas, maybe stuff like that. But the, the, our core nature is the same. And these ideas lasted that long. Forget the metaphysical part. I would say to people who are, who have a struggle with that, because that was me, just pay attention to the wisdom part. Mm. And then for fitness fanatics, this is the part that's, that's, that's great for me. Like I get the value of discipline, um, you know, not being impulsive, uh, you know, uh, doing the discipline to do what's right for me, not necessarily what's expedient when it comes to fitness. I got that. I've done, I've been doing this long enough to know, like, yeah, I know that bag of Doritos is going to be real tasty, of course. And I, that's, there's, I see maybe some value in that. It's really good, whatever. I just don't want it because, um, I understand what that does for me and I understand what other things do for me. And so I'm not going to give into that impulse, but it feels good. And it's good for me. And I like that. I have this kind of, that I can do this with health and fitness. Spirituality is the same damn thing. It's the same thing. It's the same. It's no different. It's just a different piece of everything. Right. So, yeah. uh, the, you know, abstaining from, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, maybe allowing your rage to come out. Right. It's like abstaining from eating that cookie yeah. or being disciplined to pray in the morning or meditate or whatever your practice is. Right. It's yeah. It's like going to the gym. It's like, okay, I go to the gym five days a week. And sometimes I work out. Sometimes I work out light. I do what I, what's best for my body. Same thing. So that's helped me with that side of it because there's parts of it that are challenging. I go, oh yeah. It's the same thing as like with working out and eating. It's just spiritual stuff. Hey friend, I have two questions for you. Do you eat animal protein? Do you want to help support the restoration of our Earth's soil? If you answered yes to both, then I invite you to look into Wild Pastures. This is Paleo Valley's sister company that offers a monthly subscription box that delivers affordable, pasture-raised, high-quality cuts of meat straight to your door. Wild Pastures animals are 100% pasture raised by family farmers right here in the U.S. using rotational grazing practices that actually mimic nature. On pastures free from pesticides and herbicides, no synthetic fertilizers, hormones, or antibiotics are ever used. As a result, the animals are healthy and happy. So right now, for new customers who choose the Wild Pastures Plus subscription, you get 20% off for life. You get free shipping for life. You can choose your own order schedule every four weeks, six weeks, two months, or every three months. You get exclusive Plus subscriber discounts, and there are no fees or hidden charges. 
As a Wild Pastures member, you receive the lowest prices possible on the highest quality cuts of meat delivered to your doorstep regularly. And if you don't want a membership, they also offer one-time deliveries. With Wild Pastures, you're not only supporting your family's health with the highest quality meat, you're also supporting our earth, our home. If we as consumers can create the demand for more regenerative farming practices, the industry will respond and we will be contributing to the health of future generations. To get 20% off for life and free shipping for life, just check the show notes for the direct link to get your first box all set up. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I say yes and resonate with, with all of those approaches. We have a, a friend of ours, um, <clears throat> Ryan Meeks, and uh, he's, he's been on our show before and he's kind of of the same kind of vein as Chase was explaining where he's like, I don't know what the answer is and I, I can't prove it to you or, or I'm open to hearing everybody's different views. And, uh, you know, something that he says that really resonates with me is, I don't know for sure. All I know is life is a gift and love is the point. And if your spiritual beliefs bring you closer to love, God, the divine, whatever that is, if, if they're making you, if they're helping you to become a better father, a better partner, a better friend, a better human on, you know, living on earth, then that means that your spiritual beliefs are true in that they are bringing you closer to love, which is always the point of spirituality. And really, when you go back to its core, maybe not corporatized religion, but more of the mystical side, it's bringing you closer to your own good, true, loving nature and that spark of divinity in you that is also outside of you connecting the two. And, and that's kind of the approach that I've taken, you know, at this point in my life. And it just feels really right. Like it it allows me empathy and compassion and, and connecting like, Oh, that works for you. Cool. I love that it works for you. It's maybe not what I want to do, but I love that it works for you. And I feel like that even in a, on its own is so different, vastly different than how we grew up where it's yeah. like, if you don't believe this, then, you know, kind of like inserting fear into people. And it's like, I just can't, I just can't subscribe to that anymore. And so, um, yeah, more, more so the, the love-based rather than fear-based yeah, at this and point. I, and I do think, um, I do think that the, the, especially the modern world is headed for a, a spiritual awakening, awakening, uh, I don't think we're there yet, but I think what's going to happen because as, as we're talking about this, it's just, you know, it's really clear to me that we're creating a world in which we're going to get everything that we want through technology, through our innovations. And we're going to be left in this really scary. A lot of people are not going to like this, but they're going to get to a place where they get everything that they want, that they think they want. And it's not enough. And they'll be like, why do I feel empty? I have all the sex, all these drugs, the food, the body I have, you know, I can make myself super smart. I can feel pleasure all the time. Like I get, I I got all this now through this technology. Why am I so empty? And that's when I think the spiritual awakening is going to happen because people are like, okay, but we we got everything. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't what we needed. Yeah. Yeah, It reminds me of one of Alan Watts. I don't know if you know, Alan Watts, uh, one of his most famous speeches where he's like telling the story of when you have all the pleasure, you will start to resort to, pain as the next and i know it's different than what you're saying but it reminds me of that what's like when you have everything then you have to like really go outside yourself and yeah speaking of the world 
right now, it obviously is a weird time to be alive. But even in our 31, 32 years, it seems like right now there's more talk of extinction events, you know, between the the biodiversity of life on the planet deteriorating, um, between World War III narrative, um, you know, some say even talking about like topsoil that we have like 100 years left of, of farmable land. Where are you sitting on all of this? I'm sure you hear it too, especially in the health and wellness space. There's pretty polarizing opinions and different, you know, extinction related topics. How do you process through all of this? How are you maintaining your own um, pragmatic stability in a changing landscape of whether we're here for only a hundred more years, going to turn into AI robots or whether it's all just fake news. Yeah. What kind of world are we leaving for our children? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So first off, let's stop for a second and think, what are the emotions that were, uh, you know, inducing in ourselves when we're talking about or reading these, these headlines, right? Fear, Mm -hmm. lots of fear. Okay. Let's you got to take a step back for a second. Um, uh, okay. I'm being fearful. Who wants me to be afraid? Can I take a step back and really analyze things? And can I balance this out maybe with positive news? Let's see what happens. So there's a website called humanprogress.org. I remember, I, I recommend everybody go on there. And what this website does is it actually breaks down the numbers and the truth and what's mm. happening in the world. And you start to realize it's not nearly as bad mm. as they make you think. Or in fact, it's actually pretty damn good. And there's a lot of mm. really cool hope moving forward. So you talk about nuclear war. We're, we're not even, we're nowhere near as close to nuclear war as we were during the cold war. Not even close. Like the people don't realize this, like there were many moments where it almost happened right now, not even close to, to what that was before. Okay. Talk about uh, food production. Okay. We produce more food in less space than we ever have before. The, the problem that we have is distribution. That's still a problem. However, if you look at the amount of people that were subsisting on less than, I think, a dollar a day 20, year, 20 years ago versus now, it's the greatest migration of poverty to, to out of poverty that we've ever seen in human history, ever, in a very short, relatively short period of time. We, we were so good at producing food and getting food out to people that in modern societies, uh, too much food is the problem. Okay. So there's that talk about energy. Okay. Um, the main source of energy still today are hard, uh, hydrocarbon fuels and oil and that kind of stuff. In the seventies, it was predicted that we're going to reach what's called peak oil. This is the amount of oil that we have. We're going to reach peak oil. And then we're totally screwed because we're so dependent on it. Modern technologies has got us to tap into, we have more oil today than we did in the 1970s, more oil accessible, not saying that that's always the answer, but just with that one right there. Talk about the environment. The, be- the, the number one tool that humans have to fight or challenge any problem, any existential threat, which can include pandemics, can include natural disasters, include whatever, is our ability to innovate. Okay, We do a damn good job. Like People don't die of infections like they used to because we innovated and we discovered certain things. We're really good at this. We're really damn good at this. And we innovate faster than ever before. More people on earth means we, we innovate. We have more opportunities to innovate. 
And if you look at the way that we've innovated uh, and the things that we've done for people over the last even 20 years, that website will show you, it's pretty damn remarkable. The problem is information today travels so much faster and is always in our face. We don't have enough time. Our, our uh, perception is skewed. Okay, so like, let's use social media as an example. If you're constantly on Instagram, your odds of developing a body image type issue are way higher. They just are. Like people who post pictures of their bodies typically look a particular way. There may be some editing going on. They may, whatever, who cares how they got there. Maybe it's healthy, unhealthy, but they're shredded. They're sexy. They look perfect. That's just, there's just a, a, there's a bias towards those types of people posting versus the average person posting their body. So if you scroll through, your brain develops this perception that this is what most people look like. Yeah. yeah. And you, <laughs> you start to feel shitty about yourself. That's and so that's true. A that's a fact. Look, yeah. if, if you grew up watching NBA games your whole life and never going outside in the real world, look, I'm six feet tall. I would think I was super small because everybody's <laughs> yeah. seven foot tall, right? So, so that's not the real world. Look, I, you guys work out in gyms, walk around in a gym. How many people could take their shirts off and have six pack? Like very few. And there's right. the yeah. a gym. So my point with that is like everywhere you go, it's quick news, quick information, 24 hours a day. We don't turn off. We never turn off. Like when I was a kid, when I went somewhere, mom said, come back at this time. And then I was gone. Like mm -hmm. yeah. I was gone. She couldn't get a hold of me. She, I, if I wanted to read, if I was having a debate with my friend, Joe DiMaggio hit this many home runs. I couldn't go on my phone and say, you're right. Or we just, just, ah, we'd argue it back. Like, how are we going to know? I don't know. There's no way to know. Okay, cool. <laughs> we're done. Right. We were disconnected from this shit all the time. And especially as kids, I wasn't told scary world news that I had no control over as a kid. Like my kids are like, my, my daughter's in sixth grade and she's asking me questions about world. Why? Because the information's there anywhere she goes online on YouTube or whatever. Boop, boop, boop. So I think that our, our fear is through the roof. Our anxiety is through the roof. I don't think, I think objectively the threats are not worse. If anything, this is the best time to be like, that doesn't mean we can't fuck shit up. We're, we're humans. We're pretty good at that too. But I, I think we're just so scared and it's, it's, I, I, I don't think we need to be this scared at all. And again, if you go on that website, you'll see, real statistics like human literacy, you know, uh, you know, are, is the, is the earth, are we becoming overpopulated? Like what happens when too many, like it answers these questions. It shows you real numbers and it helps you kind of like, okay, I'm not like, let's calm down everybody. I think we're just super scared and they want you to be scared because they want you to do one thing or the other. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be, you know, proactive, uh, which, you know, just a little side note, the, if you want to make a difference in the world, the most effective thing you could do mainly because it's the thing you have the most effect over is just be the best, best person you could be. That will do the biggest impact on the climate, on yeah. the economy, on, you know, peace, on all that stuff. Just be the best version. Cause that's the thing that you have the most control over. Yeah. If you just do that, if everybody did that, <laughs> then everything would be fixed. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's a really good reminder. And it's a, uh, we'll definitely put that, uh, uh website in the show notes for you guys. Um, speaking of being the best version of ourselves. I, I would love to know from you, you know, someone's listening to you and you're like, man, he, he really sounds like he's got his whole life together. Good family. He's yeah, successful. Right. He's really intelligent. He's got a good business, you know, like all of these things. Great at dropping memes on social media. <laughs> yeah. 
until I get kicked off. <laughs> uh, rip oh. your Instagram account. Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of being the best version of yourself, I would love to know from you personally, what is one area of your life that you're, that you're working on right now? Maybe it's emotionally or spiritually or, or, um, how are you currently in this moment trying to evolve yourself? If that's not too vulnerable of a question for you. Yeah, no, um, I, I can be really ch- certain impulses can be very challenging to me and I can escape through not being present very easily, really, really hard to catch. And I can either do it through thought. I'll just think, and I could, you know, I'm not present, right. I'm just, you know, going through something in my head or I'll go and read something, uh, an article, or I'll be on social media. So that is really hard for me, really, really hard for me to do that. The other thing with the impulse is I like good feelings. Okay. I like feeling good and I can get carried away with supplements and things to make me feel good to try to avoid feeling bad. Um, I'll be, I mean, straight up, if I didn't have the family that I had, and if I didn't have the health and fitness practice, I would probably be very highly likely somebody that could have addictions to to drugs Mm -hmm. because of that. So that's what I'm constantly challenging myself with is, is, okay, what am I, which feeling am I trying to chase away with this supplement or why am I not being present right now? What, why am I being avoidant uh, of the, of the present situation? That is so freaking hard for me. Very, very difficult. Um, and so I'm constantly working on that, but right now that's a big one. Yeah. yeah, that's such a good one. And it's a, it's a good reminder for us. You know, we, we talk about different supplements. We have all these amazing partners, people who are do, putting out amazing products and, and we're fully backing them, but it's still something that is outside of yourself that is, could alter your chemistry, your biology. And it, it's a good thing to reflect on from time to time. Like, am I just propping myself up with supplements right now to avoid feeling, you know, X, Y, Z, or is this really something that I need for my health? And, and it's a good reminder for us and everyone who listens to us knows we, we love a good supplement. Um, but it's, it is a, it, it's good to reflect on that. Yeah. I have a, I, I literally have a supplement bag. That <laughs> yeah. I, but the guys joke about it. If you listen to the show, you know, but I literally do. And I know, I know why the hell am I walking around with a bag of supplements? Like, why do I, I understand this. I'm not ready to tackle it yet, uh, but I'm aware. Yeah. So You're is. like the, the large buff Mary Poppins. Right. <laughs> like, I got something in my bag. Yeah, but way more dysfunctional in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> um, critical for us, and I'm sure it is for you as well, is, is people you look up to, mentors. And it doesn't have to be people you know personally, but, but great authors, thinkers. We've talked about a couple already. Who are some mentors um, for you in your life, either that being through, you know, a distance, an indirect mentor through something like a book or somebody you, you actually look up to have a personal relationship with? Yeah. Um, well, the first person I'd say would be my dad. Um, my father has impeccable integrity, like impeccable. He's not a, obviously like any human, he's not a perfect man, but his integrity is just incredible. And he's always, he's always willing to help anybody. Mm. It's just something I grew up with. Like if somebody came, Hey, I need to put my fence up. Can you come out with me? Yes. Hey, this is happening. I need a ride. Yes. You know, he's always willing to help help and in lots of integrity. The the guy doesn't compromise his, uh, his principles or uh, the truth ever. So that was kind of my first and obviously the, the one that's closest to me. Um, I, you know, a uh, huge fan of Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman was an economist that communicated economics, uh, 
the way Carl Sagan, I guess, communicates, you know, uh, astrophysics, right? It's like, it was like really easy to understand, got me super interested. I watched his free to choose series on, um, you can watch it on YouTube. It's an old series, like from the 1970s and just uh, brilliant. And, and he, he comes from such a good place. Like he's, he talks about it being, you know, his, how, how he communicates his ideas is, you know, this is what helps the average person, like this very empathetic kind of person. Again, I loved it. Watched his videos of debate and stuff. Um, and then um, my partners, my business partners, honestly, like these guys are pretty remarkable people. Um, all really good fathers and all of them are really good at things that I'm, you know, that I could be better at. Um, mm. So it's really cool to, we have this really good uh, relationship in that sense. Um, but, you know, like Adam's uh, so business savvy and so passionate about it. So I love it. I love seeing that and, and watching that and being a part of that. I spoke about integrity er earlier. Justin is a rock. Like he's the most real, authentic person you'll ever meet in your entire life. And he's, he's do or die. And you, you get that from, uh, from Justin. Doug is the most wise uh, of us all, for sure. He, and I mean, I, I, I 100%, <clears throat> like, when I go back to our old shows, I know Doug was listening and going, yeah, you guys need to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he let us do our thing uh, because he saw something else. And we just got better and better and better. And he's really good at that. He's, he's like that as a father too. So I get to, you know, I, I get to work with these guys that are just, you know, I get to learn from, which, which is really makes this fun every single day. But I, I guess off the top of my head, that's what I would yeah, say. Yeah. Love that. I think that's so cool that obviously you guys are providing great value to the world and to your listeners and anyone who's associated with you. But something that I think is so critically <laughs> missing in our world, you know, we throw around this term of toxic masculinity. And so the answer for a lot of people is to just get rid of masculinity altogether. And that is, I think worse. And uh, so what is so critically missing right now is men sharpening men, yeah. groups of men sharpening, pushing back. Why did you say that? Why did you do this? What are your thoughts here? Are you trustworthy? Are you integrous? Like all of these things. And you guys, you can hear it literally yeah. like in, on your show, but then just knowing you, you know, a little bit as humans, like, how in just what you described, like you guys are pushing back on each other. It's like, uh, you know, iron sharpening iron. And I, I think that that's what a gift for each one of you, but then also everyone that you're associated with now is affected by that nourishment of the conscious masculine. No, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm glad you said that I, men, or should I say boys need men to teach them how to be men. Um, yeah. It's it, it, look, this is just a fact. If you, a boy, and by the way, I don't mean a boy is an age because you can be a big boy, you know, in your thirties and forties and forever. Right. You can remain. Yeah, we got a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, a boy is, we, uh, you know, we can be impulsive. Uh, obviously we have physical strength. We don't have to pay the, the price of the burden of, uh, of, you know, having sex with someone unprotected. Now, of course there's condoms and birth control but it's just this part of our evolution right because we didn't have that for most of human history and theoretically a man could impregnate someone and then psh, i'm out of here and he, he just in lots of men still do this right we are bigger and stronger so could we physically impose our will especially on someone smaller or on women we totally could we totally could right and that's what an animal would do right um, we are driven by, uh, you know, 
men can be very driven by sexual desire. We can be driven by, you, you know, uh, violence um, very easily, right? These are all the kind of feelings that you have as a boy. What you have to learn from other men is how to be tempered. You have to learn from other men is discipline, right? It's, it's like, um, like the boy, like, you know, he could chase all the girls and all the girls like him and he sleeps with everybody, right? That's okay. That's a boy, right? And we celebrate that a little bit. But who does he get as much respect as the man who could do all that, but chooses to be with his with his woman? Like he could, but he chooses, right? You know, what about the boy that gets pissed off and you know throws punches and beats people up and stuff like that? Like okay, you know, and sometimes we celebrate that in media, uh, which I don't think we should, but we do. Um, what about the man that could, if he wanted to, kick the shit out of everybody, but he doesn't? You ever seen a guy do that? By the way, I have. I. I you know, when I was younger, I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu and one of my friends with this MMA fighter. And I remember at a bar, this drunk oh, dude shit. talking shit away and actually took a swing and he, and he, and he blocked it and he practiced restraint and he could have totally kicked the sh I mean, he could have really beat this guy up super easy mm. with one hand while eating a sandwich. I mean, he's a pro <laughs> fighter, but he didn't. I remember how much respect I had for him. Like, man, this guy is like, you know, that's what being a man is. And uh, you don't learn that on your own. On your own, you're just this wild boy, right? You learn that from other men. So, you so masculinity is that. You know, what happens if a boy doesn't have a man to teach him that or other men is he learns how to be a man through media. And then what does he learn? You know, no responsibility, buy fast cars, bang all the chicks, like hey, nobody cares, like I can do whatever. And, you know, oh, having kids, pff, tie me down. I'm not going to be a right. dog, you know, whatever. So, yeah, you need to have other men to teach you that. Otherwise, you're just an unbridled animal boy. Yeah. yeah talk about, you know, people talk about toxic masculinity. You know what's dangerous is that. That's the, you get a bunch of those running around. That is not a, a safe society to be in. Yeah. Fuck boy wolf pack. It's, <laughs> um, it's a tough look. I mean, it, it, it's real. We've got, we've got fuck boys and, you know, high chair tyrants pretending to be the, the masculine lover archetype and the masculine yeah. king archetype. And they're posing and, and I'm not gonna lie. I was one of them, like in my twenties, sure. because that was what I was following. And it's, it's a path to emptiness. It's a path to a path to unfortunately, like a lot of control because that's just how the world works. Um, but it, it, it can be the cause for so many issues and even going all the way back to what you were talking about, right at the start of the podcast about family and being a father and changing the world by, by you. And it's you first, it's your family, it's your community, maybe it's your neighborhood, but it's got to start like hyper-local. We are all sitting on the, the lazy boy chair, you know, waving our fists at the freaking TV, expecting somebody else to figure out our problems, whether that's our health problems or our society's problems. We're, we're so programmed to be codependent on the authority that we don't realize we have that capability ourselves. And it can literally start with us our family, our unit of a community and shit. Like if everybody just took that to heart, it would change. Like it would start to drastically change the landscape of the world. If you've been playing around with the thought of Botox for forehead lines or crow's feet, or just frustrated by your acne scars, listen up my love. ClearStem just brought back their No Botox Repair Serum that tells your skin to repair itself and generate new healthy collagen. 
This has quickly become my favorite of their products, and here's why. The blend of growth factors, peptides, and collagen-derived stem cells immediately feeds your skin what it needs to bounce back from internal stress, UV damage, acne scars, and other environmental aging triggers. Bounce Back is perfect for anyone who wants to avoid Botox, prolong the results of their existing Botox, prevent further lines from forming, and those of us who deal with deeper acne scarring. These ingredients are the real deal and as always, hormone-friendly and non-pore clogging. Completely corrective and targeted for skin repair. You will notice your skin visibly smoother, brighter, and healthier looking in just a few uses. I personally use Bounce Back once a day, usually in the morning, followed by ClearStem's HydroGlow moisturizer. To get your lovely little hands on some bounce back or any of the anti-acne, anti-aging, truly clean ClearStem products, go to clearstemskincare.com and use the code MIMI for a nice hefty discount or check it out in our medicine cabinet linked in the show notes. You and your skin are going to love this stuff. Well, look, healthy people we're talking about we're talking about is a big part of health right mm-hmm. healthy people healthy people are they are they pollute less they consume products that feed health more than take away from health so what do producers innovate towards those products right so you get less you know alcohol and cigarettes and more maybe healthy foods that are that it can, it can be grown in ways that can be more affordable. Who knows, right? So they, they want products that are healthier. They're uh, more disciplined. They're, they're definitely more productive. A healthy person is going to be more productive in less hours than an un- unhealthy person will be in more hours. They're more innovative, okay? If, if you, you want to come up with ideas and be innovative and being a healthy version of you is going to do that even better. Um, so being the best version of yourself you that's how you, and you know why, why this is such an important point. That's really all you can control. You know, like your tweets and your posts aren't going to change, you know, government policy or something that's happened, you know, or or some existential threat. Like how do we figure out, you know, climate change and your tweets not going to do much, you know, but what you, you have control over what you can do. So if we all took that responsibility, man, it would be game changer, be total game changer. But we're 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 fooled into thinking that we don't have that power. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the thing. We're yeah. fooled into thinking that that's not even virtuous. That it's more virtuous right. to advertise to other people. So, and again, you got to ask yourself, why do they want you to feel that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes you easy to control. That's yeah, it. absolutely. That's a, I would say. Speaking of core values, that is a core value of us in our show. The medicine is like <laughs> every episode we're to some degree talking about how do we turn back into ourselves and really look to and connect with our intuition, because that's what the world needs more of is people connecting to themselves and really, you know, becoming introspective and wanting to be the best version of themselves for the collective, not, you know, telling other people what to do or how they should live their lives or whatever, but constantly turning back inward. And, and I, I feel like that is a lost art. You know, there's so many resources with the, the computer in our hand to just all the time outsource your truth, whatever that means for you. And uh, I would say that that's definitely one of our core values just as people and a podcast is 
Absolutely. We have to continue to turn back to ourselves and, and really flex those muscles of intuition. And like you're saying, physical health is sometimes the gateway for people really stepping into ownership of every aspect of their life. It's not just about what you eat and how you move your body. It's also about how you show up in your family and in your relationship and at your job and on the earth. And oftentimes people are moving through that gate of physical health to then address all the other aspects of their life. It's not always working out that way, but certainly for us, it started with physical health. We felt really, really shitty. And we're like, we got to figure this out. We were separated and we're like, we got to figure this out. And by figuring that out for our physical health, it actually put us on a path that led us back to each other. And, you know, then we're making more impact in the world. And it all started with us getting our bodies healthy. So ditto echo everything you just said, like it, it oftentimes starts with the body. Yeah. And I, like I said, it's an easy, easy way in and until now, it hasn't been heavily politicized, although uh, they're trying to politicize taking care of yourself uh, with health and fitness, uh, but still hasn't happened yet. So what's cool about it is, as a trainer, when I was a coach, man, everybody was open to what I was saying and showed <laughs> up. And it didn't matter who they voted for or what they felt or any of that stuff. Everybody hired me because they want to get in better shape. Yeah. And then we, you know, we connect. And then they were open to me and then we could have other discussions, but fitness is like, so that's why I said, it's so unassuming. It's so sneaky. Cause you don't know, you don't know you're going to learn about failure through working out. You definitely yeah. do though. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you're not, yeah. you yeah. don't know you're going to learn self-acceptance through, you know, exercise. Oh, you do it long enough. You're going to start to learn self-acceptance, right? You're, you know, yeah. you're going to learn self-love. You will, if you stick to it long enough, like all these yeah. lessons you get through fitness. Totally. One, one question we love to ask uh, people, and, and I can't wait to hear your answer, but what is an unpopular opinion that you maintain? You know, what ruffles feathers of people in, in your community that might be a little bit of a hot take? It, I feel like you might have a few. It can be anything. It can be, it can be fitness related or it can be as, as charged as you want it to be. Oh, man. Um, all right. Uh, geez, I can't believe you asked me to tell you what's unpopular. All right, I'll tell you. I don't know if this is necessarily. I know this one's a, a, it's a great discussion I have with people. So when it comes to the, uh, the environment and the climate, it's a big topic, right? Climate change. And we need to do something about the earth. Otherwise, it's going to be um, lots of people are going to die. And it's going to be very challenging, a lot of stuff. When I look at it, I, I say, okay, uh, one of the number one contributors to um, climate change are these, these greenhouse gases and these, uh, you know, these fuels that we burn. So the answer is to cut that production or cut the use or tax it. But then you, you look and you realize that billions of people just got out of poverty around the world. And the difference between them being okay and dying is not that big. Now, for us in, in rich societies, you know, if they do this kind of thing, yeah, things will get more expensive and we're not going to have, you know, be able to do certain things and life might get a little harder, but no one's going to die. But lots of people will around the world um, if we do that. So, okay, that can't be the answer right now. We're going to just kill a bunch of people. So what do we do? We have to consider all the unintended consequences uh, of our decisions. And we have to be pragmatic. So some people say, well, let's use uh, renewable energies like uh, solar and wind. 
the technology is not dependable and it just won't work as a replacement. It just won't. Uh, other countries have tried it and failed. And we know this, the science currently, the current technology, you're not going to be able to, to generate, store and save and, and, and transmit enough solar right now with the current technology to replace uh, our fossil fuels. Same thing with wind. Um, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Only one thing right now has the answer, and that's nuclear power. This is where people get a little bit, mm. although less people now are, I, I guess, opposed to this. But the current nuclear tech, like meltdowns don't happen. But even if you count nuclear meltdowns, they pale in comparison to the amount of people that have died through oil spills and all that stuff that's happened. with. So it's the safest, cleanest, the amount of waste that nuclear power creates is so tiny, it's ridiculous. I think you could power the earth for a decade and create as much waste that would be like half of a football field or something ridiculous like that. You can look it up. So that's the answer. Um, currently we would give all the energy we need. We wouldn't kill a bunch of people. It's super clean. Um, and we have the technology now. So that that's, that sometimes is unpopular. Here's the more unpopular part of that. Nobody wants to argue that because you have people on one side who benefit from the renewable energy side or they just like that argument and they want to keep it because it's a great wedge issue and then of course you have people over here who maybe benefit from the status quo and how we get energy now and all that stuff so nobody wants to go to the solution um so that one's a little yeah unfair. yeah, yeah I, I, can, I can see that yeah. how it, it, and you say the word nuclear and people freak out because yeah. they think nuclear weapon yeah. which we've heard you talk i've heard you talk about this on on your podcast before and you really got me thinking you know because when i would hear this before i would be like oh, what do they mean by nuclear but yeah. then you went into a little bit and, and just hearing you speak about it intelligently was like oh that makes more sense yeah actually the cool thing is there's, i mean you know here's the good side now of having access to all the information in the world or whatever you can go on and read and watch videos on current nuclear tech and it'll blow your mind. I mean, it's mm. very safe. You oh. can't use the materials to turn into nuclear weapons. Um, there, you know, you, the reactors, if we got rid of lots of regulations, wouldn't cost, you know, you know, too much or whatever. Um, it's remarkable where it's at now. It's just, we, it's politically, it's a, it's, it's like, uh, it's like the third rail, because of accidents that have happened in the past and also the politicization around it yeah. has made it something that they can't touch. But I, if people really educated themselves, we have the answer. We do. Right now we have the answer. Or we can wait until we innovate with renewables better. But that might take a while. But sure. we mm -hmm. have the answer right now. Cool. Yeah, we're jumping into this. This is this is rad. Yeah. Um, definitely want to hit some fitness questions and obviously being mindful of time. Uh, but we're big on relationships. Uh, it's such a pillar of, of our show and, and our brand. Would love to know for you. You know, you start your book with with a, a big shout out. And you, I think you end it as well. A uh, big shout out to your wife, um, Jessica. Maybe give us a little bit of like what you guys would consider your relationship superpower. Um, what keeps the spark alive? You know, the classic like relationship questions, but sum it up a little bit for us. She's also very growth minded, extremely growth minded. She came from a completely different background for me, like couldn't be more different, but she's super growth minded. And so we connect over that um, and that whatever our challenges are, that's what gets us to constantly move forward. She's um, extremely empathetic. Now, I consider myself also empathetic, but I'm still a pale in comparison to her. She can really read and feel uh, people really, really well. Both of us together are empathetic couple, but she's, like I said, she'll definitely lead that. Um, we are, I don't know, what would be our superpower? 
we we can really connect with each other emotionally and physically very easily like you know like I, her smell is my favorite smell in the world like, like really <laughs> i get strange. it <laughs> yeah like really weird like you know I, it, she could be pregnant post-pregnant whatever she's the most attractive thing in the world to me um she says that she feels the same about me so i don't know i guess that's one of our superpowers i'm going to be super attracted to this woman till we're 90 you know what i mean which is yeah it's really it's a really cool i love that that's a superpower because i feel that to some degree with us and it is really cool we i say all the time to chase when you have that emotional and soul level connection um you know i'll say to him like it's crazy how quickly my body responds to you yeah yeah yeah. and i I think that's what you're saying is like your guys is more than just your bodies but like it's like, what, how I completely know it's, it's home. Like it yeah. immediately feels like home. Yeah. Uh, just, just our connection. And even when we got back together, like, <laughs> yeah. like honestly, like the touch of a hand, it was like, Oh my God, that, that, that's home. I've been gone for way yeah. too long. I've been yeah. here before. Yeah, no, no. Super rad. I uh, love that. Definitely. Like we, we want to knock out some, some fitness questions too. Uh, these are, these are more like personal questions that, that would love to get your, your thought and opinion on um, currently like carnivore, super hot super popular. Like I haven't even tried it on myself, but you know, read the carnivore code, but it's also like on the tail of keto being like the most popular thing on the planet. Of course, there's always what what I came up with in kind of the fitness space, which was, you know, eat eight meals a day. And and I know you guys go on, on this quite a bit uh, on your show, but what do you think of these various diets, especially let's say carnivore keto, and this like fit your macros doesn't matter what the quality is just hit your calorie and macro goal like how do you prioritize this how do you advise people on where they should sit from a dietary perspective yeah so um of course there's diets that are just plain unhealthy um but then there's lots of diets that have maybe some medical applications or some applications to some specific people so like you brought up carnivore that's kind of the ultimate elimination diet um so somebody who's kind of hyper you know, maybe hyperreactive uh, has kind of autoimmune issues and is hyperreactive to food. Sometimes what people will find is when they eliminate everything or most foods or many foods, or sometimes all foods except for meat, that those autoimmune issues disappear. So their, their, their hyperreactivity is quelled. And because meat is so nutritious, you can get away with just eating it. Now, I don't think it's ideal, except for maybe in that context. For that person, it would be ideal because anything else is unhealthy. But for somebody where that's not an issue, it's not ideal. There's lots of benefits to eating other foods. But yeah, all these diets, and I'm just going to speak to the ones that maybe have some application in certain contexts, like keto, for example, there's some medical applications. It was the first treatment for epilepsy um, medically before we even had any drugs, right? So besides those specific applications, they're they're all not where you want to be in terms of a relationship with food. Okay, so a, a really good, healthy relationship with food feels very relaxed. It feels very calm. It's not an ideology in the sense that it's not like, can't eat that. That's not my part of my food religion, right? Can't eat that. That's not part of my ideology around food. You can say, you know, a healthy place would be like, I don't want that. No, thanks. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like that. It's a healthy place is understanding the, the, the difference between maybe um, acknowledging 
certain ways you may feel or that a food may taste good or that you may enjoy consuming it or whatever, but also realizing that you don't want it because of all these other things. So people confuse want with uh, like, I know that's going to taste good. Like, well, you know, I don't want, you know, when I say to people like, oh no, I, I wouldn't like a cookie. Said, you really don't want it. Well, I, I know that it'll taste good when I eat it. I know that, you know, I'll have this like this enjoyable. Yeah. Mouth pleasure. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want, I don't care. I don't want it because of all this other stuff or right now I want that. Right now, I yeah. think we're hanging out. Mom made cookies and, you know, we're going to enjoy them or whatever. So all of those are, are, are not where you eventually want to be. Now, couldn't they lead you there? I think so. I think you can learn yourself sometimes through going through uh, different diets. You can learn things about what works for you, what doesn't work, work for you, how you felt eating low carb versus higher carb versus higher protein. Um, you know, I, I like that with food. Like I know when I need to cut my carbohydrates down for certain benefits that I get from maybe being ketosis for me personally, or I'll know when I need to increase my carbohydrates, if there's like a performance or something that I am looking to improve. But for the most part, you want to have a relaxed relationship with food. Like, let me put it this way. And someone listening is going to be like, or watching this be like, yeah, right. But no, this is, this is the, 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 the place you want to strive to be where you want to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is what, you, what you want. That's what you yeah. want to do. Okay. I know that sounds crazy to people, but that's, that's definitely a good place to be. And there's lots of people who have very healthy relationships with food who are like that. Like, this is just what they want to do. Um, by the way, what you want isn't just the taste of, you don't, you, don't, you don't value food just by the taste. Although most of us do, there's lots of values to food. So as you go down this path, you start to become aware of all these different values and you start to learn how to want, or you, you start to want things that really serve you well, based on all those values. Most of us only know taste. We know like, what do you want for lunch? Uh, you know, Mexican. Oh, uh, no, that, I'm, that doesn't sound good. What about Chinese? Yeah. That's not, and what they're basing their decisions off of is really a small bit of data, not all the data. Like, well, how does that make me feel um, before, during, and after? Has it affect my digestion, my performance? Um, do I have any memories attached to this? Um, is this a food I like to bond over? Like once you have all these, this, this complete data uh, and understanding, then you start to want things that serve you well. And sometimes that means it's a cookie. Usually it means it's not though. Yeah. I love that. I uh, totally have been there. It, it, it's kind of like when you get to the point after dating where you're like legitimately wanting love, not just yeah. sex. Like right. you dated all the strippers, like <laughs> you've had the most toxic dating relationships possible. And you get to the point where you're like, I just want love. Like, I just want actual love at this point and, and nourishment for my body. So I, I totally get that. Absolutely. It's exactly like that. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe not all the strippers, but like right. <laughs> a good portion of the stripper demographic. Um, you know, another, another one is it comes up for me personally. Like I, I grew up as an athlete running and sprinting was always just a major part of my training protocol. It took me forever to finally get like heavy cardio hit level cardio out of my exercise protocol, but I still find a desire to jog like, like once a week, I want to do like 10 minute jog. Where do you see cardio in, in a balanced sense? I know you speak a lot on just like the addiction that our world has had to cardio as the form of exercise and how to like really cut that back and see a ton of benefits. But where do you see a healthy relationship to cardio play out in a, in a fitness protocol? 
Yeah, well, that's really up to the individual um, because you could have a really, it could really feed you. It could really, you know, be something that you really enjoy and you find tremendous quality from. Um, and of course, so long as you don't abuse it and hurt yourself, um, then lots of cardio is absolutely fine when you have a, that kind of relationship with it. Um, by the way, the desire to run is a very natural one. One of the few things that humans do well physically is run. Now, it doesn't look that way when you walk around outside and you see that nobody can run. But we actually evolved to outrun um, almost any animal. So um, if, if I came out and said running was not good, it would be so dumb. That's not true. Um, just people can't run because we forget, uh, you know, we lose the skill of it. It really depends on the person. Now, if, if, you're, if I'm going to be general, okay, if I'm going to talk about the general, the average person, and I'm going to consider the context of that. So what does the context look like? All right. They, they live in a modern society. Um, their days are very busy, but very sedentary. So our schedules are full of stuff, but we don't move uh, that much at all. We have very, very easily accessible or ease of access to any food we want, most of it being hyper palatable. So the average person in a modern society could go on their phone, boom, get, you know, whatever they want to eat or go to the gas station, get whatever they want to eat. It's inexpensive, super easy. Um, most people are not going to become fitness fanatics. They're just not the, the most, and I, I got good at this. I got really good at getting people to develop a good relationship with activity, but that doesn't mean everyone's going to become a trainer, right? No, that doesn't mean it's going to become their passion. So most people are not going to become fitness fanatics. Okay. So consider all that. Okay. Busy, but sedentary meaning, okay, not necessarily a lot of time. Um, not going to want to become a fitness fanatic, but also have access to a lot of food. What we're probably looking at is we're working with two or three days a week of structured exercise. Okay. And maybe getting people to inject more activity into their daily lives. In other words, maybe create the ritual of walking for 10 minutes after breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So at least you get 30 minutes of walking a day type of deal. Maybe convince people to take the stairs instead of the elevator, park a little further. I know that sounds silly, but if you actually add it up, it makes a big difference. So that, but really structured exercise two or three days a week. And I'm talking about consistent. Like you get the average person who doesn't do anything to working out forever. If you average it out and they did a good job and everything, two or three days a week. When you look at it like that, it's the cornerstone should be strength training because that gives you the best buffer against all the other stuff that I talked about. Muscle is a great buffer against inactivity. Muscle mm -hmm. speeds up your metabolism so you can eat more and not store body fat. We know calorie balance is a huge factor in how healthy or unhealthy foods are. Like a high sugar, low calorie diet is not nearly as damaging as a high sugar, high calorie diet, for example, right? So faster metabolism. How do we protect against uh, insulin? Well, muscle is extremely insulin sensitive. How do we keep our bones strong since we're not moving much? Well, if you lift weights a couple of days a week, you're going to strengthen your bones more than you would if you were just active every single day. That's how effective it is in that particular sense. Um, so I'd say, you know, resistance training should be the foundation. The rest of the activity should be walking based, mainly because people aren't going to take the time to learn how to run. They stopped running when they were 12. Um, you know, cardio, if it's structured, well, now we're throwing more structured cardio into the routine. We already understand that maybe two or three days a week is all they're going to do. So, and most people can still walk. So let's just get them to walk more. Um, and if I could throw something else in there, it'd be 
you know, some kind of a mobility stretching practice. Now, if it stretches out to four days a week of exercise, I would love two days of structured resistance training and two days of structured cardiovascular training. Um, if someone's working out five days a week, well, I would love to throw in structured mobility, you know, type workouts in there as well. Like if I'm structuring and putting together the perfect workout program, but if I have two, two or three days a week to work with, most of it's going to be focused on, on strength training for the average person. Again, if you pick someone who just has this loves running three days a week, it's just their favorite thing. And it just gives them so much joy and they find such, and they have a great relationship with it and they'll do it forever. I'm not going to say stop running, go lift weights. I'm going to say, yeah. keep, keep doing it. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I love that. You're, you're wetting our, our appetites and uh, the listeners appetites because we could talk to you for another two hours and go over all the fitness things, but um, really you wrote a book for that. And so uh, everyone, if you are interested, definitely check out Sal's book. I will put a link in the show notes where you can order directly. We've both listened to it. Actually. I love that you read it on audio. Um, it really drives it home because we, we know your voice. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we loved it. And it's such a good, it, it's like, it should be really in, in everyone's household because the concepts in there are, are so vast. And it's kind of like a fitness, like encyclopedia a little bit where yeah. you can find something about almost everything related to health and fitness in there from a very balanced, unbiased viewpoint, which obviously you've, you've shared with us today. And so I think you know, if, if, if this is piquing your interest at all, definitely go check out his book. Yeah. Sure. We'll be doing a giveaway, uh, of the, of a copy of the book for the episode. If you, if you share and, um, leave us a review. So we'll be dropping all the details in there as well. Sal, thank you so much, my friend. This was an absolute blast. Thank you. Um, hope, hoping we can continue to connect and, uh, please let us know how we can just be an extension of you of the mind pump team, uh, truly, truly has been an absolute, um, pivotal piece of our lives our relationship, our relationship with health. So just a ton of gratitude to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. Thanks for having me on. I love what you guys are doing, so keep doing it. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Go check out Sal and Mind Pump if you have not yet. They are a wealth of knowledge and honestly just busting so many myths and clearing the air and clearing up the water that you know is very muddy in the health and wellness space. And uh, we are very trust trustworthy of the Mind Pump crew. They're doing so many good things and definitely worth checking out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Obviously, we did very much. Reminder to enter our giveaway to win a copy of Sal's book, The Resistance Training Revolution. To enter, just take a screenshot of this episode on your phone, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me at Mimi underscore the medicine. We appreciate every listen and every share so much. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Cheers, boo.